0: In Ireland, we love a good story and I'm lucky enough to be able to chat to people from all over the world to hear their story and to hear about their life in Dublin. In this podcast, we want to be able to learn from the stories of others so that people who have recently moved to Dublin can get the most out of their time here.
1: What I did was cut it down to half an hour 40 minutes max and i do a half i start off doing 20 minutes and then i see like look at the analytics do they like it? do they not look at the comments do they want more
2: mm-hmm.
1: i go 25 this time i go half an hour or well, let's pump it up to 50 off oh, they two the analytics dropped off they didn't finish at 50 minutes okay I go back
2: and what is the um, the primary content on your on your page you're like?
1: it started off i started during COVID, right? It's been a, a a mixed mash of everything until I really found the niche December last year. So basically I started in are we are we rolling now? Are we? Yeah. We're rolling. Okay. All right. We're so I started in in, in July twenty twenty when we were in the, the kind of the grip of COVID in Thailand. And um what i did was i just started making travel content because i was stuck everything was closed everything was locked down and i always kind of was was interested in will i start youtube or not because i knew there was an audience in thailand because you know it's very popular tourist destination right mm-hmm. so there's millions of tourists coming in there every year and I was watching all these other YouTubers and I was thinking, I could do that better than him. He's doing this, he's <laughs> doing that. I can, like a lot of them, I had been there like 10 years at this stage. So I knew the country, knew the language, knew the culture, knew the people. Um, And I just saw the, these other videos. They were just talking about stuff. I was like, that's not true, you know? Mm. So anyway, in the middle of COVID, I was bored, there was nothing to do. And I just bought a Sony FDRX. It's like a a Sony, Go, Sony's version of a GoPro. Yeah, okay. Just hit the streets and just started vlogging and like doing kind of travel content.
0: Just you, like just speaking me. to the camera and kind of detailing the, the trip or the different travel destinations.
1: Yeah, so I'd pick like, I kind of do like day trip in Bangkok, where yeah. to go. And I go to like a, a park and then I'd um go to a restaurant, show different restaurants and stuff like that. So it started off as travel. Just a bit of fun, not too serious. And then it started to grow, but nothing like exponential, just small, mm. you know. They always say get to your first hundred subscribers on YouTube. It's hard. Once you get to a hundred, the next milestone is get to a thousand and then monetize. And monetize is a thousand subs and four thousand watch hours. And that's a big milestone to like monetize your channel. Is that total for th- in one video? Or no, like no. To- like like you could have to have a thousand subs. Okay. And then four thousand watch hours. Okay. Um I did that I think around I think December twenty it did six months to get that. And you're that's saying that's when you found your though. niche, like no, I found the niche a year later. Like, I found oh, the niche in okay. December two thousand twenty one. So I went from about four thousand subscribers to thirty one thousand five hundred from December last year until this moment now. 31,500. Yeah, so I grew like something like, you know, whatever, five to, whatever the percentage is, yeah. maybe 80, 90%. Wow. From, only because I changed content.
2: What and did you change it to?
1: I went from travel to stories and interviews. So I started interviewing, like, I mean, you've been, you, you mentioned you've been to Vietnam, like mm-hmm. there's characters, <laughs> Southeast Asia is just full of characters, right? You know? There are guys that go there, men and women that go there, and they just have interesting stories of why. How did you end up? Like, how does an American end up in Vietnam? Talking or...
2: about the, the foreigners who come into uh, and li- end up living in uh, Thailand. Or...
1: Yeah. yeah. Some of them are interesting. For sure. So, some of them are very, um, I mean, you, you, the content is there. I, I definitely took on some some stories that were uh, highly controversial. Um, Like what? There Was a guy called Tony Huge. Um, he he well, he's he was a well, how would you he polygamist into right. polygamy and um, Tony Huge was a he's into he's steroids as Tony well. Tony Huge, like Tony Huge, like he's a bodybuilder into right. polygamy, of <laughs> course he is. it yeah, sounds voice. like a porn name, you know.
2: Yeah. I'm Tony Huge,
1: yeah, and um, US. From America, ex-lawyer from San Francisco or California, very wow. slick talker, very intelligent, very articulate. He has an Instagram account where he, he promotes steroids and he injects himself with all sorts of anabolic steroids, lives in the gym, uh, and he fills what you would say would be the stereotype of Thailand, what what I suppose the West thinks about thailand Mm -hmm. and that's just one kind of guy um but he feels that stereotype and he's very outspoken and he's very articulate so i interviewed this guy and he was talking about you know how he has three or four two girlfriends but he also has a string of you know low maybe a different kind of part or a different different girl every night type stuff and he went full on into it he went so much into it that i could not upload all the video because i thought like it's too graphic youtube we're not going to monetize yeah, it yeah. yeah um but that went completely viral it got it's standing now at three hundred and fifty thousand wow. views wow. and it's
2: constantly taking over and you're just doing that with uh, the on the street where you met him or did you it was set
1: up the studio or something yeah, no, it was set up by uh, a guy who knew him um and he it was done in in um Actually, I know a guy in Bangkok that has his own podcast. He had a studio and we did it. Yeah, actually, it wasn't a studio. It was in the house that we did it. Um, It was like one of those spur moments. the moment. He contacted me and said, the interviews here. It's now. It's a viral video. Do you want to take it on? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know if I want to interview about this topic. You know, it's a very, you yeah. know, I th- this was the first time that I ever got a viral video. And mm-hmm. I was like, kind of like boarded on, like, do I really want to v- go down into this?
0: where am i going yeah where am i going (laughs) all gas no brakes yeah because
1: you know because it's i knew it was going to be big Mm. and then i knew that this guy was he was um i mean he's a big bodybuilder that comes across as being a very kind of an alpha male character and if you're going to interview someone like that you've got to really prepare what you're going to say yeah
2: or at at least be able to deal with an ego or or the People who are kind of confident in that way have a, an aura about them that if you aren't willing to either make fun of them or stand up to them, they may just overtake a take a conversation, and you don't don't really know where they're going to go with it. Like
0: for sure, yeah. How did you manage that? Because you know, as this podcast starts to grow, like there's the potential of us getting a like a Tony Huge on the, on the podcast, right? Or someone like that, but I imagine I'd get pretty bloody nervous beforehand. Were were you thinking that way, or I was very nervous?
1: Mm. Um, I was, you know, it like I didn't even meet. Like it's kind of like this now, where where usually when I interview people, I like to go for a coffee first, and I like Mm -hmm. to sit down with them and just have a chat, and you build that rapport yeah because when you go into an interview when you you go in and it's just straight away yeah you don't really know the person and it's it makes it a little bit harder but if you have that report, everything is more relaxed i didn't have that with tony Mm. we went straight in i mean walked into the house and tony was was up in the toilet fixing his hair i was like where's tony he's "He's in the toilet he's fixing his hair you know (laughs) this big (laughs) huge guy comes down he's like hey how's it going pete sits in the <laughs> chair he's like you're gonna make me up and it was like okay and it, like when my hand was kind of shaking i was like putting the microphone on I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. yeah and um i mean you know i, I had to I, you know it was, it was some controversial questions in that in that interview like, <laughs> and i was nervous i was nervous mm-hmm. but i did this kind of deep dive in so the more the more he spoke the more kind of as an interviewer you kind of have to pick up on the more people reveal and they talk, you kind of have to dig deeper and Mm. a a deep dive. So I wanted to know how, like, why is, why does someone become a polygamist? Like, what is that? Like, how did they, so I I started asking him, started probing and I kind of eventually got down to it, to a point where he said that his mother and his father divorced when he was very young. And then his father would have different girlfriends depending on his hobbies so he had like a girlfriend for fishing Mm. he would have a a girlfriend for like that would come over and cook dinner Mm. so this is what tony saw when he grew up so you can kind of like
0: it was normal for him yeah bit of of trauma i think
2: yeah (laughs) you know
0: but yeah even in that description sounds like an interesting character what do you make of him overall like i
1: came out of it going like he put his point across very well even if i didn't agree Mm-hmm. He still made his point and stated his point very well. And I think if you look at the comments on that video, surprisingly, I would say about 80 percent back him up and say, well, he made a fair point. Mm-hmm. You know, the other 20 percent absolutely slayed him. You know, I he made his point very well. But that's the thing. If you're interviewing someone, you don't have to agree with them. It's just like exactly. you get your opportunity
2: to state your yeah. point he yeah. didn't like fly off the handle with some like uh outlandish comments like he he kind of was he like you said he was a lawyer he obviously is able to make his point somewhat somewhat uh he didn't fly off the handle with some really like uh throwaway comments or uh, anything like that that kind of made you like mm, yeah your points are okay but you also have a lot of other kind of things that might be left field or right field or whatever I mean, he did, I mean, the stuff that I left out of the interview was very graphic
1: Mm -hmm. and the stuff that I just thought, you know, I don't want to put my name on Mm -hmm. this kind of, oh <laughs> <laughs> you can say it here the, the big reveal well he went know? into like sexual acts and stuff like that and i was like you know i don't really want to put that on yeah. youtube like i mean i built this brand and i was like that doesn't need to go there mm. you, everyone gets the gist of what he was what he was referring to anyway we don't need the graphic details of what you do but he was completely it's like an open book type of type of guy Hides nothing yeah yeah um but as an interviewer i made kind of one mistake because this is kind of at the start when i when i just started interviewing people i did come across a little bit judgmental when i when i said to him like i it was a part in the interview i said like tony 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 like what's going on like
0: you know, you know? <laughs> and sort yourself yeah, out yeah mm-hmm.
1: but that's the irish in me as well come across yeah. we in ireland we can be a bit like what's the story a bit judgment we can be a little bit judgmental mm-hmm. yeah so yeah I, that was my mistake but you learn from it and you just know okay you have to stay stay back and
0: don't judge yeah yeah Pete, you're the first Irish man we've had on the podcast. Yeah. I think should we sing the national anthem or something? Or should we stand up? <laughs> end, of the, end of the night, end of the end of the you said you were in Thailand for 10 years. twelve. Well, 12. nearly 12, 12 next month. Yeah. Um, so, it, well, to do maths off the top of my head. But you, you left around 2010 to, yeah, to, to to Thailand. I did. I left in October. 2010 when i was
1: 23 years old um so i basically i worked in construction when yeah. i finished school and we all know what happened around that time you know the financial recession rob we're, we're all in our 30s we're all similar ages i said i'm 35 are you in your 30s no
2: i'm 29 are you yeah sorry it we're, right we're there. nearly there nearly there and uh, or next august next oh geez you're a young one. Yeah, sure. yeah. I'm I'm 33, so okay.
0: I, I know what you're talking
2: about. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I mean, it just, yeah. So I was like, I was not the type of guy. I lost my job as mm-hmm. as a 23 year old, and I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna sit around. Like, there's no way I'm gonna. I'm not the type of personality that's gonna sit around on a doll, like, and collect 200 euro a week to do to do what? Like, it was literally in Ireland at that time. There was nothing. There was no jobs. It was
0: there was no future here as a twenty three year old. So, I left different place, totally yeah. different place. I, um, well, I, I, I probably people who were listening to the podcast before know. I spent like four years in Spain, right? So, left twenty sixteen. So, quite a bit after that. But even at then, it was still a little bit. It was starting to improve, but a little bit spread. The the Dublin that you see now. Where it's vibrant, there's people out all the time. There's people in restaurants. There's people in pubs. In 2010, did not see that. It was like there was never any trouble getting into nightclubs. Put it that way, you could wear whatever you want, um, because there was nobody going in. There was nobody going out. And I there was. A, I remember around town, it was even relatively uh, not. I'm not going to say a violent place, but there was a lot of kind of. A lot of stuff going on around. It wasn't a nice place to be, Dublin, in that time, and that's kind of strange now because for me in 2022, it is a nice place to be, and there's so much going on, and there was all of these whatnot companies or whatever. But back in that time, like, because I I totally get why left because it was it was not a good place to be. You didn't
2: move to Thailand for construction, did you?
1: No, no, no. I I was, I took a walk down. Um, the keys one day in 2010 and i saw use it you know that oh, yeah, travel yeah, yeah, company yeah. use it i saw on the keys there it's not there is not there anymore and I, I saw that and i was just thinking oh that's that's like should i go in there and like see what's what's going on you know so i went in spoke to the guy in there and initially i was going to go to um east africa or no West Africa, I was going to go to West Africa and build houses. And I remember I was talking to a guy and we were sitting in a room and we were talking about, will I go there or not? And I was talking and I I remember I got up and I was leaving the room and he said, if you don't want to go there, you can always go teach English in Thailand. And like that comment right there, I always remember that because like, that was like a, a, like a moment in my life where like that, that guy, that stranger kind of put an idea into my head that like changed the course of my life. Mm, Yeah. Because I never thought about Thailand before. I never knew anything about it. I never like really had a major interest in Thailand ever before. I just thought, well, teaching English in Thailand, that sounds interesting. Like, And I went back research, and I was like, wow, well, all right, let's do it for six months and see what happens. And the plan was to do it for six months, then go to Australia, but I never made it to
2: Australia. Mm. Mm. And did you go straight to Bangkok or where did you go to Phuket no. or any?
1: No, I went to this unknown town in the middle of absolute nowhere called sukhothai mm. it's between bangkok and chiang mai if mm. you know chiang mai mm. it's, it's in the, it's the yeah. north right so it's it's this little town in the middle of nowhere and i got a job teaching english in a, in a secondary school there was me there was a guy from holland and there was two other guys from england and we were the only foreigners in the whole town mm. we did that for a year
0: yeah brilliant what do you? You would probably have like relatively similar experience. Like obviously, it's a totally different country, but no, I I went
2: to May. I went to a major city, nine million people, plenty of foreigners. Mm. You know, it was a completely different. I would have probably blown my head off if I was stuck in the <laughs> backyards of nowhere. Like, you know, I've been to the backyards of nowhere. There's nothing to do. Like, you know, it's it's, but To me, I was. Just, I just needed more people. I I need a lot of people to keep me. Keep me taking over, like. So you you land in uh, Sukhothai, and you uh, you have your the two English lads and the Dutch lad. Like, what what were your thoughts when you moved there? Like, what was, what was the well, the like? they,
1: they were characters. Like, they were a lot older than me. I was twenty three. They were late forties, and they were all kind of fighting with each other. They yeah. all had these kind of weird rivalries, and I was just this young guy like. This is a great adventure. You know, and they had all these dramas going on. Like one guy's from Birmingham, one guy's from Manchester. There was going kind to of be a bit of a rivalry there being football kind of a rivalry. I was just like, you know, I just want to go see temples. I just want to travel. And so I, I did it for a year. And then um, I decided, like, you know, it's it was a bit too quiet. And especially being the only foreigner, you know, you know only four other foreigners in the town. So I went to Bangkok and then like from, say,
0: 2011 until last month, I was living in Bangkok. Uh-huh. That must have been. Um, so I, I noticed that you mentioned earlier on that you speak the language, Thai. Mm.
1: Put my game yeah. it's a little bit. I speak okay. a little bit. Not great. <laughs> you Not, me great. Not
0: great. Not great. Not great. Yeah. Like, But you, OK, you've adapted into it, right? Um, it's been it's changed your life, I imagine. That yeah. experience in general that those ten years in Bangkok have they completely changed the person that you've become
1: yeah completely um my life went off in a totally different direct chidre- trajectory I can't even say that word <laughs> but it just went off like I never um yeah I just had this crazy adventure these journeys that I went on you know with uh, I met so many interesting people learned to fit into and adapt to a totally different culture, an yeah. Asian culture that, that I never thought I would ever, my life would ever be like that.
0: Yeah. Mm. What were the challenges there? I, I've, I've very little experience. I have been in Thailand, but very briefly, um, what were the challenges for you to fit into that culture? Um okay so the language is very difficult it's a it's a, a tone it's a
1: it's a tonal language yeah so it's really hard it's not based on latin script. so it's just as a westerner it's re- very hard to uh, to learn yeah but i learned a bit i'm definitely not fluent but i can definitely hold a conversation i can get stuff done but like i wouldn't be doing any business deals mm-hmm. in thai yeah um but just like no guns on the table or anything. No guns you know, on the table. On. <laughs> 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 no, it just kind of like um so in Asia like it's a it's a Buddhist country, Thailand's a Buddhist country, and it's just a different world from Ireland, the way they think, the way they act. Um it's very non confrontational, very very, very say entirely say Jayen, very relaxed, very you know a lot of people meditate and uh, they have a thing called um face saving face hmm. if you're in Vietnam yeah, yeah. you know it. like it's it's very much like the elephant is in the room but not you don't really address it so like it can be a bit difficult as a westerner because you see a problem especially in like business and stuff like that you can't go in and say like this is the problem we need to fix this problem There's there's ways about going around uh, about doing things so it, it de- as a westerner to go to thailand and live there you definitely have to adapt yeah
0: Give me a drink a water I let <laughs> we have this well, But that's a good thing though that you, you have to adapt i mean it, it means that you're properly getting into the culture like i guess the last thing that you want to do is constantly be hanging around with the the, the english and dutch guys and not really experiencing Thailand for what it is.
1: Yeah. For sure. Like I I I would say that there is definitely um a stereotypical image of what Thailand is. <clears throat> like um we all probably know that like there's you know, you you see it on YouTube, you can see it everywhere, and it's definitely there. But there's also this other like rich culture. Mm. You know like really old a thousand year old temples and yeah and and Buddhist monks and there's all this like rich culture that when you're living there you see it, but if you're going for two week holiday, you're not gonna see yeah, that course. You know? yeah yeah
2: what's uh this might be a controversial question we might blow up after it uh, especially with the angry ties what's your opinion on the on the king? Or well, do, you, do you keep that reserved? I,
1: I can't well if I ever share this video I'd have to be very careful if I made a comment now I, I I would say that I have to be really careful if I ever wanted to enter Thailand again mm-hmm. I, I like okay you, don't you to, know you
2: don't have to answer it would that be yeah, it's like but they they're one of the the elephants in the rooms that you're not really allowed to talk about
1: yeah all I can say is that the, it it does look like going forward there there are gonna be a lot of issues in the country. I can kind of, it's kind of bubbling under
2: the surface. That's, uh, is that any, is that part of the reason why you've decided to come back to Ireland? Just. No, so, I I decided to come back to Ireland
1: because when I left at 23, there was always this voice in my head that was saying like, well, you never really had a crack at life in Ireland. Like, 23 is a very young age Mm. to leave a country. Yeah. You know, you know, and that voice that was going around in my head was always there for the whole 12 years was always there. And they said, well, you know, maybe it's time to come back. Yeah, come back. I, 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 I would I suppose in Thailand I was I was comfortable. I, I, <clears throat> I um, you know, had a nice apartment, good life. Everything was comfortable and I kind of felt like I need to get on my comfort zone a little bit more. Going back to Ireland was like definitely going to change me again. Like I said, this this is a new journey. I'm I'm going I'm just reversing like the hero's journey. This is this Mm. is another hero's journey, Mm. but going back in another way. And I can tell you at this moment, I spent four weeks in Ireland and I am in a serious reverse culture
2: shock. Really? Yeah, Absolutely but the pace of life is faster slower there's less people
1: everything absolutely everything i actually made some notes for this podcast because <laughs> i like bad. i knew like i wanted to bring it up simple things like hearing strangers
0: conversations <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. true yeah and um, i used, i i had the same thing when i was in 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 spain at first i didn't obviously understand the language at all i got to a bit of, bed of a hang of it before i left but i remember being on buses and trains and you can just completely switch off you don't you're not affected by anything that's going on because you don't understand anyone but it's true and you come back and you're you you can not help but overhear the conversations on the bus or the train or on the street or something and sometimes they trigger you they shouldn't you should be like oh just switch off don't pay attention why am i paying attention to that but you can't help but overhear it yeah
1: and like, um, people are a lot more assertive. They're not even shy, right? So they'll be on. You can have some guy on the phone beside you on the train going, you know, he's talking about every time about his relationship and he's complaining about his wife. And you're just like, Jesus, man. <laughs> do you not realize that like there's someone sitting beside you? Like, I just can't yeah. get over that. Because yeah. in Thailand, everyone is like, they're very. It's face, so your 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 reputation is very important in in Asia. It's not not only Thailand; it's China, it's Japan as well. It's like your reputation, your public, uh, how people think about you, so important that you're not going to talk about your wife and the argument you have with your wife. Like you're not going to in public on a train or something Mm -hmm. like that. You won't do it.
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny because when I uh, that. Vietnam doesn't care if it's got cream on its face or whatever, egg on its face. Like it's happy to shout at anyone. There's always kind of little mini battles. It's very animated. And uh, like, like I said, I come from Slaigua. I feel like I was a bit, always a bit shy to, to kind of step out of my comfort zone. So dealing with the Vietnamese public was uh, kind of enlightening for me. I don't know that you're able to just Oh, no one gives a feck like you just keep going and uh you know if if someone says something to you it's like what what is it to them like but um it's just a very uh the like Germans as well I was in Fibber McGee's last Thursday and I played a bit of pool and I ended up like some Germans were watching the pool and I was you know talking they were saying oh you should hit it there hit it there and after the game I was like come on play and you know and they're like no no not play I'm like, why? Because, no, no, I just don't want to play. And I guess, like, I'm paying, you don't have to, you can have two people, you know, it's a very chill game. And I had to entice them in because they just didn't, I don't know, if they were maybe afraid to let loose and, you know, uh, have a, that bit of fun. So, I think Ireland doesn't really care that much about face on the grand scheme of other things as well. So
0: Well, I don't know. Uh, it depends. I, Yeah. I, I guess you're you're, you're right, generally. Uh, but I would also say, like, we're, in, let's say, in, in a European sense, I think we're very uh, polite, air quotes, and, and that we don't, as you said before, you spoke the other day on the podcast, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or off the podcast, but about being direct um, and how in France when you were there, like, it was very, like, you had to be very direct, whereas in Ireland we kind of go around the
2: topic a little bit. That's more of a pol- a politeness strategy, yeah uh, I guess. You know, saving face. You know, we'll air out our dirty laundry at home would be what I would see uh, saving face as. Being direct doesn't really uh, it looks like more of a strategy than an actual um, uh, face-saving thing. Yeah, I but agree.
1: I think it's it's the reason why in Ireland we, uh, when you go to Asia, I think all the Irish people that I know in Thailand all do very well because of that non-directness, indirectness, mm. because in Thailand, they're the same. They're not the confrontational. They're not direct. So we, we get on well in business. There's a lot of Irish guys over there and women, Irish men and women doing very well in Bangkok. You know, Jameson are gone in there now and they're really trying to, trying to sell the brand because they consume a lot of whiskey in Thailand. So there's like Jameson are in there. Guinness are, trying, are doing, so there's lots of ambassadors, brand ambassadors and, People in business in Thailand doing very well, Irish people over there, because they know how to do, they know how to talk to the people. Yeah, you know, that's the key gift of the gap. Yeah, right. So, there's a the general serious look on people's faces just as they go about their daily lives. Like, Thailand is known as the land of smiles because
2: okay. everyone is just like
1: happy, their smile.
2: I thought it was the land of the Thais,
1: no, <laughs> no, that. La- la- <laughs> Man, the smiles, yeah, but like, just there's, I don't know how to say it, but like, you know, you could be walking in Dublin City, like, and just see some guy, like, and just has a face on like and you just <laughs> you see some face on it. Everyone these
2: really dark eyebrows and a really stern face when I'm yeah. walking around the place, and I'm like, no, I'm actually really nice. <laughs> I'm just I'm just disgruntled, yeah. you know. <laughs> I don't, don't don't pay any attention to my face, like.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I find myself like just kind of like looking around and going, everyone is kind of very serious, and the pace of life you mentioned earlier is a lot faster. I used to think I was a fast walker in Thailand. Everyone's like. It's everything is slowed down they just they walk slowly you know it's a hot country so you can see why it's slowed down but i thought i i I used to like pass people out on the street all the time and but now people are just zipping past me they're like going about their business i'm like whoa like i thought i i thought i was a lived a fast-paced lifestyle clearly not yeah
0: yeah it's good to get an interesting take on on the coming back from being abroad for for 12 years and then adapting back to it's 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 an interesting perspective
1: another one that really kind of really annoys me customer service in ireland is very very bad it's It's terrible like you i'm getting like i don't know what i don't want to mention the brand but like there's a big coffee chain here and you go and you order a coffee and they have zero respect. I'm just like, why can you not smile and say like, "How's it going?" Like, what kind of coffee do you want? Can I have a flat, flat white? Okay, make the flat white. <laughs> is this my and then they put it on the on the you know there could be five coffees there and they put it down and is this my one? Yeah, that's yours. no, sure, that's not yours. Excuse me, where is it? And, and just have no kind of the, the customer is is king. They're paying you the money. You have to be able to treat them with respect, smile, give them, serve them. Yeah. But there's no service here. It's not service. It's just like, it's like, so even, I mean, even in a pub, you like going to a pub, like, all right, what's the story? Right. Can I get a pint of Guinness? Oh, right, there you go. And it's like,
2: okay. No chat though. There's uh, there's a pub back home, in, uh, I'm from Turbo Curry. And, you know, the, the people who work in the bar are well able to talk to, like, the patrons because, it's usually a bunch of old men who come in and all they want to do is have a bit of a chat with people but then you come up to dublin and you know it's kind of cool and they're always hanging out with the people in the bar all the time i'm like yeah i get that you're friends but you're also kind of working you know stop having a fucking chit chat while there's like two people having a chit chat while one person's serving and trying to talk behind them and then eventually they'll say all right who's next who's next after about two three minute chat and you're just sitting there i'm like i just want to fucking chorus like yeah, know? well, give us <laughs> but At this point, I'd <laughs> be wait around. Like, hey. just give me a bottle drink. Yeah, can over here saving face. Yeah, <laughs> I just want a bottle so, drink to get. Why do you
1: think it is, though? Like, why do you think that pe- the, the people that are working in customer service they just they don't they don't really care?
0: I think it's uh, well, I don't know, obviously, but um, I would say that they're overworked, maybe. Uh, but listen, perhaps in, in Thailand, they're overworked as well, but they maintain that uh, sense of service. So there's more pride in the work that they do. Um, I would say that a lot of people doing those jobs don't see it as their long term job and they're doing it for a te- on a temporary basis. And a lot of them have already mentally clicked out. Yeah,
2: I mean, but still, and you can see the places, still, though, like, come on, just chill out, like,
0: people no, think course. work is
2: worse than it is, like, work is so handy, you go in, especially if you're working in a bar or behind, you, you just talk to people, and if they give out to you, you go, yeah, okay, Grant, yeah, yeah, and just keep going, like, it doesn't yeah. really matter.
1: I'd say to those people, I'm like, if you think, okay, say you're in university, right, and you're working in a in a bar or a coffee shop, or whatever. But that's a stepping stone for you in your next. So, okay, you move into business, then you're still dealing with customers.
0: Hundred percent, it's the same thing.
1: You, if you have respect, I start off like, okay, I'm gonna respect people. I'm gonna really, like, I suppose, adopt maybe the American, or maybe I've been to Australia as well. The Aussies are really good at customer service. If you adopt how they have that kind of energetic, to a certain extent, fakeness. But it's service, like, hey, how are you today, sir? How's it going? Like what what would you like? Are you kind of, Oh, you were in here yesterday as well. If you if you adopt that, it kind of and you compliment people, it will stand to you as you move on in your career and you go into other 100%. kind of businesses.
2: It could, it could also be linked to the sternness of other people in real life. Do you know, like you're saying people are stern in as they're walking down the street really, really fast, and then you talk about customer service people being a little bit impolite or don't really give the energy but it could be linked like you know when the customer comes in they're being stern to the uh, server so the server eventually just gets used to like oh, these assholes are coming in and then someone who's lived in thailand for 12 years and is used to these really nice people and you've changed to become that way inclined it's just a shock because you know we're kind of used to it now and we kind of just know that's what we're going to get here in ireland and you're just like <gasps> Why people... <laughs> you know
1: that's a good point because i was thinking about this the other day I, it, maybe it's a reflection of society
0: yeah
1: and you know that's
0: what... but man it's uh for me it's always been like i used to work in an off license right and it's like these conversations we have I, I love uh meeting people off the cuff and just having a chat but at the same time when i worked in an off license it was brilliant like um, I used to work in an off license in Clontarf. So you'd have like a very mixed uh, customers coming in. You'd have one customer coming in who is asking, listen, I, I want, I'm having uh, the family over at the weekend and I want a strong red wine, you know, spiciness or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, and then the next guy that would come in, uh, and this is this true story, he told me he was a 1973 UFC champion. I'm pretty sure the UFC didn't exist in 1973. <laughs> He also told me he trained Stone Cold Steve Austin. He made me feel his biceps. Yeah. And he said he could kill me in one touch.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> know, you have to learn to transition between these characters. You know, this guy isn't interested in a strong <laughs> What's your man's name. What huge Tony Huge Tony Huge <laughs> Tony Huge. <laughs> so, but that, like, that's brilliant. Like, you leave work that day. Oh, jeez, that was
2: hilarious. Yeah, you know? and also a little bit scared. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i mean we all had different jobs at, at a period of time and uh, you kind of just get used to it and you also have, a, have to have an attitude for going to work like if, you, if you're going there and you're going to be miserable then it's it's going to be pretty sad and if you think it's just going to be a stepping stone to maybe bigger and better things or you're going to make more money then you're just going to resent it and then you'll resent those who work in that industry after, and you're probably not going to be, you might have a bit of a chip on your shoulder and say, look look how far I've had to work to get to here. Well, I guess my dad was six months old when they got electricity. (laughs) Do you know, he literally came from pre-electricity to electricity. It's Um, all mindset, isn't it? Yeah. It's all
1: how you think. Yeah. It's all, it's just what you think. It's all mindset. And you can find that, like, some people get caught up in that, negative mindset. and I'm not gonna say like I didn't come here to live like I hate Ireland and like but I'm just seeing it because I've been I suppose on the other side and come back. Yeah. I mean I've gone over to the other end of the world and I've gone to a place that I've lived in a place that most people wouldn't really take holiday in but they wouldn't live long term, especially at a young age. Um I, like I just see that okay there are pros and cons. Let's 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 do a pro. Okay. Food. The quality of food in Ireland is is great. The actual like the quality the food, the products. Yeah, the products. Yeah. You know, milk, cheese, the meat, beef is Irish beef world class. I mean, you're yeah. eating it you it's like, oh my god, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's fresh. You can there's a good industry here. You can trace it back and you know where it came from. I mean, in Thailand, milk could be in your fridge for two weeks and it doesn't go off. Mm. You're like, what's yeah. in there? Bread doesn't go off, yeah. So you're you're eating that Pumper stuff, sugars and UHT yeah. and stuff like that, and all sorts of. Stuff. It's not regulated, really, you know. Mm. Um, so that's one big positive because I'm really enjoying. And, and you know, the cost of living. If you go to Tesco, I'm Tesco compared to you know or, or the other Super Value or the other supermarkets over here, little as well. They're the same price as Thailand. So really? people yeah the same price pretty much okay so I buy a weekly shop I spent say 185 euro last week in Thailand 3000 baht which is say 75 euro 80 euro so it's similar prices okay so wow. yeah
2: and are you that's going a shock. are you going to like uh, like where are you doing your shopping in Thailand are you going to markets or are you just going to regular super like
1: super a regular market? supermarket I would buy western products mm-hmm. I, I would buy um, uh, the Thai stuff as well, but I would like definitely buy Western stuff. You know, milk, cheese, bread, mm. all that stuff. So, um, not lot. It wasn't imported, but um, you know. So you can. I mean, I could live in Thailand. You can live you, you, in Thailand. You can. It can be as cheap as expensive. You could live in Thailand for five hundred euro a month, mm. easy, all in five hundred euro, or you could live in in Thailand for ten
0: thousand euro a month. It caters for everybody. Camille, when you were there. Speaking of food products, uh, was there anything that you really missed? Oh, I missed the food now from the Thai food. Oh, so oh, Ian. when you were there and you missed, uh, what what did you miss about Ireland? I missed. Or the uh, this is going to sound What's very like
2: stereotypical, but a, a good potato. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying that for ages. I, people, we love potatoes. We do love potatoes. They're unreal. Yeah, yeah and you know
0: what? I had a, a, a visitor recently, and she, she said, the potatoes are great quality. They're good quality. And we've got different types of potatoes. This
2: is going to turn into a fucking
0: viral tip. <laughs> but it is. Three Irish lads talking about potatoes <laughs> on a podcast.
2: I mean, I couldn't talk at length. Like I could talk about variations of types of potatoes, like, but I couldn't tell you about type, uh, like, genus of potatoes i used to work in a fruit and
0: veg as well
2: uh. <laughs> i know my pinks uh. versus my queens your red roosters
0: yeah um but they are good quality spuds yeah very good you know my dad is from cork and my dad grew up
1: eating potatoes you know so he came over to thailand and he is quite a fussy eater you know so potatoes but he'd have potato bolognese no spaghetti. Like, the spaghetti now. Give
0: me potato bolognese. That is an extreme one for me
1: now. Sounds good. Bro. Every
2: Italian listening to the podcast is just tuning <laughs> oh, like, in. No,
0: what's going on?
2: Baked potato. Baked potato with uh, some mince now on top of like a chili con carne, baked potato. Doesn't sound too bad. Chili con carne, okay. <laughs> you know, I think it's like I, the same as bolognese, essentially. Like, I wonder if like chili sauce. con carne
0: actually is that a Mexican thing at all or is that. Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex stuff. Yeah. But it's good though.
2: To, mince and potatoes sounds pretty good to me. Like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what else do we have on that list? Right. So we have... Okay. Basically,
1: people flaunting the rules, and just not obeying the rules over here in Ireland. So it's perfect example. I went to Cork on Monday, took the train down to Cork and there was a lady sitting across from me she had a full like four seats to herself, and she had a table. She was on her laptop. She was making phone calls. She was she was definitely an educated woman. She was definitely you know doing making business calls. She was on the phone. She was on the laptop. She was on the phone on the laptop. And I look over, and she had her two feet up in the seats, sleeping. And mm. the guy came on the re- uh, the microphone was like at the very start. He was like, "Don't put your feet on the seats." And I was thinking, well, I remember thinking like, "Why do you need to tell people?" You're not going to put your feet on the seats. Why would you put your feet on the seats? And then all of a sudden, well, an hour into the journey, this lady has her two feet on the seats, and I yeah. felt like saying, like, why do you have your feet on the seats? I, I was getting the Lewis in to um into the city centre like a la- last week into Dawson Street um and um got on a Broom Bridge, uh no somewhere somewhere coming into town stopped. And a uh, woman gets in, smoking on on the platform. So the tr- uh, Lewis opens. She drops a cigarette just right on the platform, and then blows the smoke into the into the Lewis, and then walks in, and and then then starts putting on her makeup. But that's she can put on her makeup where she wants. But I'm thinking, <laughs> why are you just drop your cigarette on the ground? Like, why did you do that? Like, yeah. why? And and she and she was dressed in like she was going to a corporate job. like She wasn't. She, you know she was. That's what it was. Like she dressed yeah. well, and she just did not care, and it's like a total
0: disregard—like disregard, disrespect. I'm like,
1: why can't you just follow the bloody rules?
0: Like, one of my mates summed this up very well, and he goes, uh, "This is why we can't have nice things." <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, I think it's changing a little bit, but, uh, you know the way you'd go to like France or Spain or Italy on like when you're a bit younger. And they'd have something like an outdoor cinema or uh, they're allowed to drink outside or, and then you'd be like, why can't we have this in Ireland? And I was like, I'll tell you why. Because if we had it in Ireland, it would be wrecked. Like people would have a total disregard for, and just take the piss. I think it's kind of changing, but at the same time it's not. Um, yeah, and I, I totally agree. It, it's a weird one. I don't know how to explain it. To anybody who's listening who's not Irish, there is a, there is, there's a weird relationship with rules and to a certain extent respect. And there's a, we're also, or I, I'm not anymore, but we used to be English teachers too here. So you'd get a lot of the people, uh, you know, from Brazil of oh, Korea, all over the world and trying to explain antisocial behavior to them. <laughs> you, know, you know, Trying to explain why someone threw an egg at you yesterday. You no, know, I've I've had to have that conversation. Heart, like it breaks your heart. So I yeah. like. I actually tell a funny story. Uh, during lockdown, I walked past. Uh, I was walking past. I was walking from, um, let's say, Clonliffe Road, um through Balibock, right. And there was eggs all over. I was like, right, this going. Someone's going to throw eggs at us, right? Um, and and it started. And then I was like, no, don't run, just <laughs> just walk. And I thought I was being the man, right. fairness to whoever because i don't know where the eggs were coming from it was like a mist it was very well done they clocked me right between the eyes like to this point (laughs) to the point of view that i actually started bleeding a little bit from my eyes because it was proper right in the middle of my forehead yeah yeah, it was from i imagine one of the flats and they threw it. i don't know where um, I got really annoyed straight away, and then uh, Monica, my my girlfriend, just started laughing at me, and it was the best possible reaction that she could, because then I started laughing as well. Like I just got clocked in the head with an egg. This is hilarious, yeah. and now I'm gonna run. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, I moved up to Do- I moved up to Dublin in 2012 uh, for university, and I was living in Hazelwood, which is at the top of. What I think of and I was getting the, the bus kinda of going into town. It was probably one of my first nights out in, in the city centre. And I was getting the bus into town. And um yeah, I was just standing at the bus. Someone drove by and just threw an egg, just slapped me right in the shoulder. Now I was wearing a, I was wearing a jacket and stuff. And I'm just like, Wow, I'm living in Dublin now and I was <laughs> a little bit shook, but I think I've never been egged since. It was weird that it was like the first week and then in the in the ten years on and off that I've lived up here. No, no egg incidences, but yeah, you got to watch out for them, and it's there. I mean, uh, I mean, sorry, like it must be really strange, especially you come. Have, do you come back often to Ireland? Like to see, so the because Lewis. of the whole COVID thing, I the last time I was back
1: it was August 2018, so four years ago, for just a week. My friend got married, so it was a wedding, came back for just seven days before that. I mean, I probably in the last say twelve years. I've only probably spent like six weeks in Ireland. Mm, yeah. <laughs> wow.
0: yeah. So like
2: I'm definitely feeling it like, you know. Like I mean, the whole like we'd be giving out at the Lewis took forever to get built, but like you must think it's you know, gone and even even more and can kind you of see it coming down from the north side to the I'll, south side I'll, and I'll
1: tell you, I got off the uh, I got off in Lansdowne uh Dart station and I saw the Aviva and I have never seen the Aviva before. When wow. I left in twenty ten they wow. were still it was still constructing it took a photo i was like whoa there it is
0: like That's impressive eh?
1: yeah i'm li- yeah. i'm kind of like and the lewis as well like i came back in 2018 and they was like they were digging it up everywhere in, in town i was like okay was like, wow this is gonna be and then now it's there's a lewis and i don't have a car now because i just arrived here so i'm taking the trains and the buses everywhere and i'm experiencing a different dublin than the dublin i grew up in because when i grew up in dublin when i was 18 i had a car so i drove everywhere but now i'm taking a bus and i'm like this is great like i'm kind of like a tourist here but mm-hmm. i'm not a tourist but like i'm like experiencing a different i'm looking at it with like different eyes than before like not a, like a someone that i don't know well someone that's come back after a years away yeah, but i'll tell you another thing that i've noticed and this is another negative uh weed marijuana is everywhere now. Yeah. Like, when I was... When, like, you never saw it out, out in the open um, yeah. 10 years ago. Six times, I counted it, now, I'm counting every time, but so that's six times I've seen guys just rolling a joint on the street. Like, even at yeah. Connolly Station, on the way in here, mm-hmm. there was two guys just rolling a spliff on the platform, yeah. in front of everybody.
0: Yeah. I think drugs in
2: general, probably.
0: Yeah. Or maybe not, actually. I don't know. Well we for
2: sure. Like we for sure. But I think drugs are becoming like um without without saying too much, like it's just that's what that's what Dublin lifestyle is at the moment. It's just a lot of go out, party, get a bag somewhere and just keep going, like Yeah,
0: well I, I when I left, um I left in twenty eleven to just go to Australia for a year. I did I ended up going straight to Australia. Um and when I got there, there was huge uh, drug intake, and I'm not talking about Irish. Well, no, I um, Irish people, English people, Auss- Aussies. Doesn't matter where they were from. It was it was huge, and that was a shock to me. But maybe that was because it was like first proper time I had been a long time out of my uh, friend circle. Let's say here and and stuff like that. So, um, but then coming back. Yeah. I think I think it's become a bit more normalized. When it's when
1: it's out in the open like when I was a kid, you know, you'd be in school and you there'd be people smoking weed, right? But they do it in the bushes, and they'd mm. be hiding and it'd be never you know someone's he- people would go to someone's house and you you know, but it would never be just like
2: nonchalantly on the street like. The guards don't care. The guards don't care about weed. It's not what they're interested in really. Yeah, you yeah. can tell now. Yeah, they're they're not like the, the average weed smoker is I call it like kind of a well, eighteen. Well you'd like to say eighteen, but I'm sure it's younger. But eighteen to kind of early thirties. And a lot of them a lot of them male, but most people will just kind of stick to cigarettes and, and weed. It's um and you're not going to be hassling people, especially in the middle of the day or early afternoon, just for smoking a bit of grass or if they smell a little bit of grass. But it's uh, even and especially even in time most people will smoke it on a night out. Especially you smell it a lot in the uh, smoking areas. But <clears throat> so people
1: be, actually smoke it in bars. And yeah,
2: stuff? yeah, it's rampant. Like it's it's out and open. It's more or less should be more or less legal. Do you know? Like there's that many people smoke it. It should be made legal. To, you might as well get tax off it. Yeah. You know, it's it's not going to stop. They just
1: legalize it in Thailand in June this
2: year. They, yeah. Yeah. Like it'll be it. Should, it. it I think Germany are pushing it now. It could be wrong, but Germany it wasn't seems it been a few years it. ago that if you were caught with weed in Thailand, you were put in jail.
0: Yeah, they, they, and now they, it's legal. <laughs> yeah, they went from
1: having like the world's strictest uh, drug laws to like okay, all the uh, you can now we have weed shops and it's like a big business now. No. You can. It's going to be the new Amsterdam because it's of COVID, awesome. because um didn't have tourists for two years. So all yeah. like the government
2: are think, thinking
1: of ways of like, it up. yeah, how do we get people to come? Okay, let's make this legal now. Yeah,
2: they probably do it correctly. Because like, you, unlike, let's say, Canada uh, in the Netherlands, you cannot grow your own weed. You cannot be a farmer producing marijuana. Uh, but yet they sell it. Where is it coming from? Sorry, where is this? The Netherlands. The Netherlands. Like, where is it coming from? Like you can't a, grow your own you weed. You can't man. grow it. You can't farm it. It's not legal. But where is it coming from? You know. But it is legal to buy. Legal to smoke. Mm. So, and it's 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 no. Um, not really a secret. End. It's not a, really a secret that like, weed coming from other places, either go to Amsterdam and through Ireland or vice versa. Do you know? It's uh, if it's going the other way, coming through Ireland as well. Like. Mm. So I I don't know. It's not. Uh, Thailand are probably going to do it right. Ireland would need to do it right, and if they did it right, then there's a lot of money. Cano, hemp oh yeah. hemp has been legal since the late is it early seventies mm. to grow hemp in Ireland. It's been legal since the early seventies. It's not like there isn't uh, already an existing infrastructure that can just be adopted to start selling, especially in land that's pretty poor. Uh, you'd just be able to grow it. All you need is kind of nice little bit of shelter things um, to protect it. And you can have a nice Do you think in our there.
1: lifetime we'll see it legalized?
2: Yeah, 100%. 100%. Next. I've been saying the next 10 years for the last 10 years, but I'd say the next 10 years it'll definitely be. Like, can you imagine that our parents would have seen uh, abortion being legalized or gay marriage being legalized? They would have said when they were our age, no, that never happened. But then things change, attitudes change, and money talks at the end of the day. It's not like uh, Colorado isn't making money, it's not like Canada isn't making money. And there's a whole industry on the whole thing. So.
1: Well, that makes me think because if it's out in the open, it means people are not scared. You said people are not scared. So, if if you're where where a capitalist country,
2: it's only now It's only, I I think it's the way it's going to go. Like you said that you don't
0: need good land because we've got plenty of bad land.
2: We've got plenty of bad land, but you can also get into hydroponic growing. Just put it in a little bit of water. But they do that for other crops as well, and then at least you can have a turnover. Like, uh, I come from a farming background and if anything was going to entice me to go back, it would be to go back and start growing hemp. And then definitely um, that would be the only thing that would have to do, hmm. do the old green cert. It's not not
0: messy. It's not messy. Uh, I understand it in that sense. It's uh, you don't have to go out
2: and slit any throats. Well, if it's legalized, then you don't have to. Yeah. And uh, at least you know what you're growing and you can kind of be like, oh, yeah, well, I think I am doing it somewhat ethically. you would be all right.
1: Okay so this is kind of um i suppose a little bit of a funny one I'm finding it hard to relate to Irish small talk right <laughs> and the Irish small talk would be you know about the weather you know come sometimes come out at my parents house and the neighbor is there and the neighbor will be like oh it's a, it's a nice day today there's a bit of a chill in the air now and it's got the evenings are closing in and you just kind of like oh yeah yeah and you have that kind of like that 30 second and then you just kind of conversation and you leave and I'm just kind of like I'm not used to talking about the weather because I haven't spoken about the weather for 12 years Mm. (laughs) (laughs) it's just hot hot in that all the time (laughs) so today I'm just kind of like it happened to me today where I was just like yeah okay I was like what do I say now
0: (laughs) I think that's going to be the title of this podcast Pete from Ireland I haven't spoken about the weather in 12 years (laughs)
2: Yeah, <laughs> that is tough. That is a tough uh, thing to do, and uh, old people and even kind of middle aged people like um, talking about it. I actually think that's the way we slow down. Do you know you're saying people are rushing here and there? And if you can kind of enjoy that little bit of small talk and mean like, oh, yeah, it's all right, like you're kind of not talking, you're talking about nonsense, but you're also talking about things that are going to influence the day and the weather changes, especially last few. The last week has been so changeable and uh, people are definitely getting sick and they can feel the, the, the change of the season. But having that little bit of a chat, it's kind of like, eh, that's how we kind of slow down, I think. You know, you're not taking things too seriously when you're only talking about what's what's out there. Right? Well, you know what? Like, I, I think what we're kind of, what,
0: what's coming up for me in, in this chat is that Irish people are probably very good at high-level talk. But we're we're very reluctant to go deep. I think, excuse me, to have a meaningful conversation. Um, and a lot of people who've been on the podcast will say that, and I've heard people say before that you know you go to uh, an Irish pub and people will be chatty and you can talk about you know people will be your best friends, but then the next day it's over, it's 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 done, it people are slow to be really embracing of a person which in other cultures i have found people are maybe not so friendly but if they get to know you they really welcome you in and you're like almost you can't become part of the family and you can't get away from it and i think that's that's something that i i've noticed here because um from from my experience of being away and coming back i found that in other cultures they're um, they're not as friendly or not as kind of high level uh, you won't have that and chat with your neighbor about the weather they won't even make eye contact but if they know you and if they like for whatever reason you you get a, make a connection with that person they won't let you go and they were like "Oh, you're irish and tell us about it and they welcome you in to to their household and uh and then that's it you're not you're not actually kind of you're not leaving that household like even if you leave to a certain extent. That's a very good analogy because um
1: I remember talking about this before and we we were talking about say what's the difference between Ireland, Irish people and Americans. And um and this is this is a generalization. Just gonna make make say that for the microphone. <laughs> but basically they were saying that like um Ireland is like I suppose if, if we we're using fruits, what fruit would be hard on the outside and soft on the inside? Like coconut, maybe mm. say like Ireland's like a coconut, right? It's hard on the outside. Irish people are like coconuts they are hard on the outside, soft on the inside. So you have to crack. Once you crack the coconut and you get in and you you're in forever. Yeah. Whereas. And, and, and when, and that means that like Irish people, they'll share their secrets with you, like their desires, what their goals are for life. They'll be very open. Once you make that time to get in there, you know, but say, for say, Americans, it might be like soft on the outside, hard on the inside where there is that like that level of hi, how are you? like everything is kind of like happy on the outside, but you never really deeply know the person. they always hold that part back, mm.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah we, we 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 had a guy called David uh, from France on a couple of weeks ago or last week, and I mean, it just goes to show how individual, each experience is and the people that you meet are uh, that if you do have some sort of connection with them yeah you you could be friends with them in in that circle so he played a lot of irish music he went to the cobblestone and he thought if he kept going to the same session all the time he'd become friends with these people eventually and then he found out he invited someone to a house and he's like oh actually we're not friends we're just we're friends in this setting and he that's how he's kind of traced it to be, but like you know, you as an Irish person know that Irish people are great once you kind of get in there. So it's kind of your perspective on how Irish people are to other people, but then how like other internationals who move to Ireland actually experience Irish people, but maybe they're expecting something else and it just doesn't. Do, do you think match they up find they Irish think?
1: people like standoffish? Or, I like, think they clicky, think... kind of like, I have my click, you have your friends, I have my click, you're my ten friends I, I went to school with.
2: From what I've, or I, I don't know if you think this too, Mac, from what uh, we've heard here, it seems to be, like, Irish people are really great, like you said, in the moment, and they can chat away to you. And then, I think you just said it there as well, that they don't, actually, the next day, it becomes that little bit uh, tougher to get back in contact with them. Unless, and I think you said it last week, that it's the experiences that you go through with people. If you, like, if you I, if I went to Thailand with you, we'd be best buddies. You know, we've gone through that experience. We've done all of this thing. You move somewhere else with some people or you end up. I think that's why, like, so uh, people in the army, they've gone through this experience. They'll literally die for their uh, the person in their squad or in their battalion or whatever. And if you go through that experience with an Irish person then you're in but if you're only doing moments if you're only doing kind of weekly things there's no life or die uh, live or die moment or there's no real hard necessity to actually go in deeper with that person I think "Ah, I'll see them next week I might get to know them a little bit better if I don't see them next week you know maybe I won't maybe I will and it's kind of I think Irish people are a little bit like that. That's
1: really good because that's kind of maybe what I'm kind of struggling with right now, because when you're living abroad and especially if you're living in a country like a non-English speaking country, and you're an English speaker, when you meet, say, an American or you meet another Irish person or an English person, you have that deep connection because you're both abroad and you don't speak, you know, you're in a foreign country and different cultures all around. So you have that connection. And, you know, so I come back over here and I'm like, I've, I've, you know, i spent the last 12 years of meeting, say, if I met another Irish guy, I'd be like, hey, where are you from in Ireland? Like, what part of Ireland are you from? And we'd have that deep connection. You're living here. You're working here. We'd have that connection instantly of Thailand because we lived there. And I come over to Ireland and I'm like, kind of like, it's different. I'm not used to. You're all Irish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, I used to be passionate about it. Like, I am passionate about Ireland, but like. I was like, I love Ireland, like, I'm Irish, like, and then I come back to Ireland, I'm just kind of seeing, like, uh, people like, uh. I'm like, you don't know what we have, like, man, I've been to the other end of the world, like, people love this country, like, they love Ireland, they want to, they want to, they want to know Irish people, they want to, they have questions about our country, they want to know about our history and all this type of stuff, and people just kind of just, I don't know, it's just, it's just, I'm not used to, I'm not used to meeting or seeing strangers, because I, if I met another Irish person, I mean, I went li- li- probably two years I would meet another Irish person at one stage of the twelve years. So when I'm when I'm here now and I'm seeing everybody's Irish, I'm like, whoa, everyone is Irish, and I'm listening to them, and I'm like, what are they saying, and what are what are these people saying, and it's just kind of overwhelming, especially in week yeah. four, and it's probably why I did this podcast, because I know that I will adapt, right? So in a year's time, if I sat down here now. I'll be a different person because yeah. I've gone back into the culture. I can already feel that I'm starting to change from like week one. This is already week four. Mm. I've started changing. Um, but in a year's time I'll be different. I'll I'll have adapted to Irish culture and I'll be the guy in the pub. Or I could be that person that well, I hope I won't be that person that like will be. has that I'll always be aware of like what it is to be on the other side. Yeah. And if you meet someone like like you said, like if you have that deep connection with someone that night, then the next day, why not have it again?
2: Are you still friends with your friends from when you were 23? The ones you decided?
1: That's a really good question. They could be listening to this now. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't met a lot of them yet. I do plan to meet them. And I'm curious to see, are things the same? You know, people change. Everyone moves on. And I grew up with a group of, say, probably 10, 15 people from the time I was maybe six years old to the time I left. And then when I left, I didn't really keep in contact with him. I kind of drifted off and I came back at certain stages. And it has been a bit difficult because I found it hard to relate because our lives just went off in yeah. totally different tangents. Yeah, yeah. And I just find it hard, but I am meeting one of my friends now this Saturday. Um, and, you know, I could, i'm gonna I'm, i they're my friends from like they are they are my friends from a, a, a time of my life i hope they can still be my friends i hope that that's what will happen um i just don't know i hope we can still relate to each other
2: it's nervous like i it's am it's nervous a new person, about, yeah it's a new yeah. person same body new person yeah you know uh i think uh, maybe you experienced it i was like i mean you 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 went 10 years longer than i was away and uh when when I came back, you know, I still we had WhatsApp groups and stuff which probably didn't exist when you were twenty three, like and we were kind of just we were able to keep in contact and knew what my friends were generally up to. We had Instagram to kind of keep track of each other. A few of my friends kind of came over as well, and my brother was over and um there was kind of different things in, along that way which kind of kept me towards Ireland and uh so when I came back it wasn't half as bad, but like two years is better than a three week uh three week trip. You know, people say, Oh, I went to went to Thailand for three weeks, or I went to Vietnam, Southeast Asia for three weeks, changed my life, I'm a completely new person. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> I mean two years is uh, still not as Two long years as will 12. change it. Two years will change it for sure. Well maybe it'll change you, but you don't know if you've uh, if you've gone far enough. Like and you maybe you're coming back and you're like, Oh, I kinda of wish I'd changed a little bit more, or maybe I was a little bit different and You kind of get lost in that bit. You're probably going to be the same way. But uh, um, the best thing that I I, I found for just don't have to go out drinking. Uh, I think I stopped drinking more or less when I came back to Ireland. First of all, the price of alcohol in Ireland is crazy compared to Southeast Asia. But just going out and meeting more international people. I used to kind of go to kind of open mic nights, things that I would have done when I was in Vietnam. And trying to keep that lifestyle open even if it's in an Irish setting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a funny one. I I think it's it's a hard one to get your head around because you're going to have this is from my own experience. Excuse me. Um I think coming back and having had experiences from being abroad, um you're you're you're, you're you are changed. And actually um, they might not have changed um or at least that's the way I perceive it maybe it's maybe they, they think the exact same thing but um I I like let's just say I have a, a group of friends who I adore um and there's there's per, people who have traveled and there's people who haven't and uh, you you notice it that's all I'll say um um it's because it's hard. Like you're gonna say, it's hard to relate all of the things that you've lived. Like the mate that you meet on on Saturday, you're not gonna be able to explain everything that's happened. He's gonna go, he maybe he I don't know, or or she has a kid or has a family. They've got other stuff going on, right? Um, and they're like, "Jays, babe." Can hell, man. It's been so long since I've seen it. How's it going? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I was in Thailand, yeah. Then he gets a message from, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 it sounds like, um, yeah. And he's half listening, he's half not, he's got his, everyone has their own stuff. And I found that that's life, right? That's normal. Um, and some of my friends who haven't traveled, by the way, are my best mates, but it's so hard and I've yet to find a way to be able to Relate your experiences that you have had to someone who hasn't, to also maybe someone who doesn't care. Um, yeah,
2: sometimes just they just don't care. care. Like, mm. They're like, "All right, you experienced that, yeah. How is that good to me?" Like,
0: and that's something that I have found uh, that because maybe you, I, when I first came back, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to tell them all about this, and I'm going to tell them about this," and then you know, like ten minutes into a conversation with. Irish people, it's high level stuff. They'll be like, "Mark, shut the fuck up about Spain. I don't want to hear anything else <laughs> about a fucking patata brava or a cerveza <laughs> again in my fucking life." All right, and they'll just—it's that you Keeps know <laughs> exactly—and that's kind of what I do love about Irish people in sense because it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, your mates are your mates, and they're going to take the piss out of you. Um, but I hope that in it's in a loving way, um. I hope most of the time, and sometimes it's not, but most of the time it is, I think. It is
1: interesting, the the culture that we have with um, close friends, like we do humble each other. I mean, like your close friends are probably have the worst nicknames for you Mm -hmm. and you have the worst, worst nicknames for them. And uh, it is interesting because that is very uniquely, I suppose it's, it's probably Irish and British as well. The mm. Americans don't really have that to the same extent, I don't, mm. I don't think. Slagging, like, yeah, slagging. Like, we and have
0: the tall, the tall poppy syndrome. So, you know, anybody who tries to make themselves, you know, a, above a, the power, a, a like... big man or whatever, no, they are going to get ass. your legs chopped out of you pretty fast. I mean, there's
1: the famous stories around Dublin about Bono, yeah, you know,
0: like, I mean, funny, <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Do you? <laughs> funny isn't it? How actually, probably the most famous Irish people ever we'll talk about Conor McGregor and Bono are the the most kind of anti-Irish people in terms of the culture, like they're so talk themselves up so much and so confident and there was a picture of Bono walking through Temple Bar the other day, right, and man, by the way, weird how much of an old man he looks like these days Um, but like just wearing like all black and a massive like huge like cross hanging out of him like a monk like a monk's cross walking through temple bar and he's the type of guy that if you saw walking through temple bar you'd be like who is this lad but it's just that's the way he's been his whole life like no matter what point he was always that guy right wasn't he Paul
2: Paul Houston Paul Houston probably. Yeah. you know who you and are, I love.
0: we know YouTube, who you are. and I think they're brilliant um but he's just an interesting character The conor
1: McGregor um whole saga is quite interesting after coming back because I remember in, in, in Thailand, like, when he was on his rise up, uh, those, especially being abroad, and, and and we didn't have a soccer team that are any good. So you want to support Ireland, right? Yeah. So you're going to support him. So mm. on the rise up, all the Irish bars would be full for the McGregor fights. And I remember the May, Floyd Mayweather fight. Mm-hmm. It was just mayhem in Bangkok. Yeah. I mean, everybody, Irish, English, we're all out for it. Like, mm. come on, McGregor and then you come after obviously uh, you know the whole his is reputation has really changed in dublin if you yeah. now i mean it's probably a lot of people don't like have not a lot of good things to say about him but it's just it's just strange how it, after you come back and you see other people's perceptions of how he was loved and now he's kind of not really loved anymore
2: yeah yeah he's um, a bit of a douche like he generally just did douchey things and people are just like sick of that like unbelievable
0: athlete i think a oh, lot of machine. people i think a lot of people forget that and um, like let's just talk about i'm the most unflexible person in the world and i see him going around and he, he's like rubber The um, but also strong uh, yeah it's it's <laughs> impressive uh whatever you're gonna say about the guy um he's got a big mouth on him obviously and that's why he made a lot of money but
2: I went, to, yeah, I went to I went to some Las Vegas to well, I went to Las Vegas while he was fighting Chad Mendes. It was before the Aldo fighter got called off. Uh, Chad Mendez stepped in, so he fought Charles Mendes. In um, I in heard you were Las one
0: Vegas. of those guys uh, wrestling Russian
2: people at the I, was I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was arse. Uh, no, but like, and I was suckered into the hype of him, and he's like an absolute machine and like an amazing athlete. Yeah, but doesn't mean you can be a douche like
0: yeah of course of course pete um i feel like we could chat for a, a lot longer um and i would love to and we'll, we'll we're going to get you back the only reason we're going to stop is because uh we have to do another one there's someone else coming in 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 10 minutes time oh really okay no worries. worry yeah no worries, yeah, no worries. Yeah. um it's been an absolute pleasure having you here um we haven't got into and like i feel like there's so many more details that we could we could go down uh, uh, we could definitely get into a hell of
1: a lot more because i got a lot more so we
0: could definitely do a part two i'd love to maybe yeah. uh, maybe on your
1: channel yeah we could yeah, yeah for sure yeah, yeah. Definitely. in we, here we are your cameras in. we are
0: um thinking about doing uh about getting this uh how would i say visually recorded as well um we don't know we're we're, we're we, we don't have comfortable we would be definitely on do video yeah.
1: Definitely do because it's another angle. It's another it's something else.
0: Yeah, um, it's all like we, we both. The thing is for us, it's we want to keep doing this. We want to maintain it, um, and I'm afraid if we make it too much work, that we'll stop doing it, um. But then again, we've recorded. This is this is how many car podcasts 18. have we done this week? Well, this, this is, is going to be this, this out We're about to do our fourth, so we're doing quite a bit, um but having said that we are going to record it so i will tell you what we'll get you in and we'll um, if you're up for it we'll we'll do visual as well as audio next well, time well how
1: about we can do it on my channel if i just put the cameras here yeah of course Sounds good and sounds
0: great we do it and yeah brilliant,
1: brilliant. collab definitely yeah. up for that yeah. yeah the old collabs yeah <laughs> it's a it's a content creators are in this this genre anyway it was a pleasure thanks very much yeah. i appreciate it it was thanks a great much, conversation please. yeah it was
0: great thanks, yeah uh thanks Ross. thanks everyone for listening and uh, yeah we'll see you soon